How many have been reading God's word this week? Good for you. Encourage you to be a student of his word. You uh, take a portion of his of his word and uh, read it. Ask the Holy Spirit when you do that to, to give you understanding. Uh, we're going to get into that later in the book of John, how that Jesus spoke to his disciples that he would send a helper to help us. He would leave. He would leave, but the, unless he unless he left, the Holy Spirit wouldn't come. So we, we're winning. We're winning. But Jesus left, but He's coming back. You know that, by the way. You, we can expect that He's coming back for His church. And uh, until He comes back for church, He wants His church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. We've been learning a little bit on Wednesdays. Um, you can come to that at 6 o'clock here. And uh, 6.30, I guess, is the actual starting time. And we are uh, enjoying together the, 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 the teaching on the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking another language, and uh, the power for us to ha- receive, to go out and be his witnesses, power that's beyond ourselves, power that's not of ourselves. How many need that power today? Amen. I know you do. And uh, we, we know we are weak in ourselves. I know all too well that I'm way too human to ever try to do this in my own strength. And so I, I, I'm, so, I'm so grateful. I'm humbled by the fact that uh, he called, uh, called us. And we're, we're humbled together that he chose us and that he sees something of value. And we may not see it ourselves. We've been going through the book of John. We went through the... T- 11th chapter uh, last week, I believe it was, and we were discussing there a great miracle Jesus performed on healing one of his friends, actually raising him back from the death that occurred in his life. It was an extraordinary miracle. Jesus can do that. He has all the power and authority over that which seems to be impossible. Now, so this raised quite a ruckus in the uh uh, Pharisees' uh, religious uh, arena, and they have been on, they are heating up. They are out to get Jesus. They are out to capture him now. They're planning the plot to seize him, and uh, by the 12th chapter, there is a uh, what is called the Passover that is taking place, and they're wondering if Jesus is going to go to them. So they're discussing, they're plotting, they're laying for him, so to speak. But Jesus has a way of escaping that until it is the time. Remember this, Jesus gave his life. It wasn't merely taken from him, but he, gave, he laid it down and let his life be taken for our sakes. Aren't you glad today? He took my place. He took your place. See, I, I owed a debt. My sin was way over what I could ever come up with. I can never come up with enough money. I could never come up with ever good things. That will never be enough. Only the blood of Jesus. So the Passover was a celebration by the Jewish people. What it really meant was that the Lord uh, delivered uh, Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. And he sent the last plague was the death uh, death plague that happened uh, way back in the time of Israel. And there, uh, Pharaoh's people, Pharaoh was the man who was in Egypt that was holding on to God's people, and God struck every firstborn in the house 
uh, every first male in the house, even, even into the animals. But the Lord said to the people of Israel, you must take a lamb and apply the blood to the doorpost and on the lentils and around certain areas of the home. And then when the death angel passed, he would see the blood and he would pass over. That is an absolute symbol of exactly what happens when we receive Jesus into our heart. The devil comes with the accusation. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus says he's blind. You can't have him. And so Jesus is coming back for his church today. And so we read here in this passage, this chapter 12. So uh, Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover came to Bethany, where Lazarus was. Now, this is very, this is, you could say cool. You could say this is, how could that, how was the attitude? Lazarus was dead. He was absolutely four days uh, into it. When Jesus called him out of it. Now he's raised from the dead and they're going to have a supper with Martha, the sister, and serving. Uh, Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. And as you can get this picture, they didn't sit on chairs in those, in those days, and the custom was uh, in that area. It was sit and recline on a floor, and it was a low table probably. And so Mary takes this pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with, you can imagine the fragrance was just wonderful. But someone didn't think it was too wonderful. Guess who that was? None other than Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples. Before I read these portions about Judas, it's always intrigued me why Jesus chose a Judas if he knew that he was going to betray him. Now, I know that all the scripture would be fulfilled, and actually that's what's happening. When Jesus chose Judas to be one of his disciples, it says that the scriptures might be fulfilled, but that there would be one who would betray him. You know what it sheds light on? The unconditional love of God. In spite of our rebellion, in spite of our stubbornness, in spite of our will not to serve him, he still chooses to love us. But that doesn't mean that we automatically go into heaven because there is a decision that the Bible talks about whosoever believes on me. And that's the whole theme of the book of John. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that can start at any age, at any time, any place in your life. Now I'll read on. Judas Iscariot. He pipes up and says, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor people? Now, he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the money box. And he used to pilfer. So it seems that Judas is the treasurer of the bunch. And he has the money box. And he's already been dipping out of that money box. Now, Jesus therefore says, let her alone. 
Well, let me back up. Verse 6. Now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the money box. He used to pilfer what was put into it. Jesus sees right through him. Oh, he sounds good. Wow. This should have been sold and given to the poor. And Jesus says, let her alone in order that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. What he's referring to, that is when Jesus would be crucified and then he would be buried for several days and then resurrected. You will not always have me. In fact, he was pointing, taking this experience and pointing to his death as the, the embalming, the process, what they did in those days, and they used oils and perfumes, and we learned a little bit about that. I almost asked Bonnie to bring some of this fragrance for us today. Just didn't get around to it, but she had a, a, several lessons on types of oils and that the people uh, in, the, in the Bible use. And, and in fact, God, uh, can, we can use them today for, for health uh, purposes. But here we see something good. The enemy wanted to, to destroy it. Something that was offered to the Lord out of a pure heart, out of a surrendered heart, out of a heart that is gratitude of love. This would have taken approximately a year to earn. But you're talking about a, a year's salary that was poured out upon the feet of Jesus. And see, what I come to conclusion is this. There's no amount of money. There's no amount of the riches of this world. There's no amount of things that we can accumulate to somehow pay for our salvation. But it was always that Jesus received it and Jesus blessed her that she has wiped her, my feet with her hair. She has poured out her heart of, with gratitude because of what Jesus has done for her. What does the Lord really want of us most of all? What does the Lord want? Do you want our money? Not really. Although that's a reflection of our heart. Given it shall be given unto you. He doesn't want money to have us. He doesn't want us to become caught up with material things so that that's all we think about. That's all we work for. And Judas somehow had allowed his heart to give in to the temptation of having extra for himself. And to the degree that he even sort of disguised what he was trying to do, make up an excuse, and Jesus saw right through it. I'm so glad Jesus sees our hearts. Because we don't have to be anything but what we are when we come to Jesus. We don't have to pretend that we look such a way and now he'll accept me. Just come as you are. You come just sometimes you're broken. You come sometimes and you're heavy hearted. You come sometimes and you have nothing to put in the offering. But you come because he wants you as a person. 
He wants your heart. He wants all that is in you. And he wants to be seated. He wants to be enthroned upon your heart today. Now by this time, the, the multitude had been learning about this resurrection of, of Lazarus. And there was many people that were interested also in seeing Lazarus, seeing that this miracle really happened. And in verse 11, this is our theme, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and were believing in Jesus. So there's a win for the kingdom. Whenever something maybe hard happens, God has a way of bringing good out of it. What was meant for evil can be turned around to bless the kingdom of God. When we have people that are looking to Jesus, it's always a good day in the kingdom. When you have people saying, I'm believing he is the Christ, it is a good day. Next day, the great multitude had come to the feast. I mean, this place was full of people. Ever been to the state fair? All one of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my, that's not my favorite thing. You know, it's not, it's not like, it, you know, my wife, she just loves the state fair. She made it to the state fair this year in a scooter. How about that? And she wanted to see her cousin who won the Dairy Princess thing. You know how that goes. There's, there's attachment there. We will do what it takes when we are determined. Right? We will do what it takes when we are convinced of something. And now this time, the crowd is pressing in on Jesus. This is almost like coming to the, the end, to the, the climax of the, of the beginning to the end, so to speak. By this time, Jesus had gained a reputation of healing people, of providing a meal for thousands that would have gone away hungry otherwise. By this time, now Jesus is being hailed. It says, now the verse is falling, went out to meet him. They went out with branches, with palm. We know this is Palm Sunday. And they went out to give glory. They cried, Hosanna, verse 13. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus finding a young donkey sat on it. As it is written, notice the scripture that is fulfilled. For fulfill, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. That's Zechariah 9 9. That's not coincidence. Listen, most of God's prophecy has been fulfilled, but there's yet more to come. He's coming back for his church. He's going to set up his kingdom, which we know is a millennial reign. A thousand years, the Lord's going to reign on earth. Then it's going to be forever and forever and forever. God's got a plan. He has spoken through Joel that in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, get ready, parents. Get ready, grandparents. Your sons and your daughters, your grandsons and your granddaughters are going to prophesy in the last days. I believe we can have that. I believe that's available for us. What does that mean? 
They will be people who speak by the utterance of the Holy Spirit. They will speak under the influence of God's power. They will speak truth. They will stand and not be afraid. They will be able to walk the halls of their school and have the whole armor of God placed upon them and they don't have to be afraid. They don't have to go to school being being beat up. I'm believing that. There is an attack on our youth. There's an attack from Satan. There's an attack on our, our families from Satan. Dads, hear me. You have the authority because you are called by God as the head of the home. Pray in the pray to Jesus. Protect my kids. Put an envelope around. Put it holy armor upon them. Dad, you, you need to do that. Moms can do it too. Do it too. But dads and granddads, do it. Do it. It's God calling. It's God's calling. You've called, he's been calling dads to stand up. Dads that will be the man that God has placed. A man that God has called him to be. No, Jesus, is no, Jesus is not going to enter. This time he does not enter into this place on a white horse. He enters on a donkey. Someday the Lord's coming back on a white horse. Which symbolizes triumph, victory, purity, the sword of the Spirit, and His Word, and He's going to judge the nations. Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, humbles Himself to our earth, humbled Himself to the womb of a Virgin Mary, gave up what He had in heaven to come down, and He had this whole attitude of humility all the way through. And see, so he chooses a lowly donkey. And he rides. And I can just see it. I can just imagine his feet were just about touching the ground. This was humility. But it was a real thing. At the same time, Jesus recognizes this is not going to be all fun and, and, and glory. But he recognizes that there are going to be people here that are praising him today, but there will be hurling words of abuse in the next several weeks to come. And Jesus always kept the focus. He always kept his purpose for coming. And we read this. Further on in this text, there's going to be a day he talks about. He, verse 20, 21, he, 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 the disciples are coming to him. And Jesus answers them and says, The hour has come for the sons of man to be glorified. The disciples had questions. And Jesus is trying to explain to them about his death. They are still not grasping his death story. We see that all the way up into John's Gospel 14 when they said, why are you talking about going away? We're not going to make it if you go away. But Jesus was saying, I have to go away because the Holy Spirit can't come. And that's another day. 
But he says, if a, if a, current, a grain of wheat falls in the earth and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it bears much. If it doesn't die, in other words, if I do not die, this whole race, this whole generation, those that are yet to be born will not be able to be saved. And he had let no one detour him. He set his face of flint, so to speak. That means that he made up his mind that he would follow through. Yet it was very difficult. Look how he challenges. Verse 25, he who loves his life loses it. He who hates his life in this world shall keep it to life. I don't believe Jesus means for us to go, I hate myself. Oh, I hate myself. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is put Jesus first. Put yourself on the back burner, so to speak. He who loves his life loses it. What does that mean? If you just live for yourself, you will come to the end of your life someday and say, I have nothing. I have squandered. I have not lived like I should have. It reminds me of the story of the prodigal son who found himself eating in the pig trough. When he went to the far land to demanded his estate, he demanded what the Lord, what his father inheritance had for him, and he demanded it. Then he got so far in life, and he ran out of money, ran, his friends left him, he was left alone, but he remembered, and the scripture said, when I remembered, he, I will go back, I will be a servant. And the father already saw him afar off. What does that say about our father? Our father is looking for the prodigal. Our Father is waiting for the prodigal. Our Father is, is, is still welcoming His Son back. He who loves His life loses it. What I get from this is, if I just live for self, if I just live for whatever for me, I will be the most miserable person ever. I may seem happy. I may seem glad. I may see it's all temporal. It's all for nothing. It's like a Judas who somehow he felt that this was the biggest thing he could get his hands on more money. But it was Judas the one who felt such a remorse that he went out and hung himself. That he was so devastated. See. There are many ways to serve him. There are many ways to give back to Jesus. But the best way to give to Jesus is to surrender our heart. Start with acknowledging our need for His forgiveness. It starts with acknowledging that my life is not my own. That you have purchased my salvation. You have a plan for my life not just to live for this day, but to live for the days to come. And Jesus spoke about his death. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, you cannot bear much fruit. 
Jesus referred to this. He calls us also to die to ourself, to die to our own ambitions. Now, let me say this. I believe when we die to ourselves and we give our hearts to the Lord, that we're not going to walk around with this drudgery, that we're not going to walk around, oh, woe is me, I am, I'm a child of God. But no, I have been set free. I haven't given another chance. I haven't given a purpose to live now. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives. And that's exactly what Paul said. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. And the sooner we learn that, and listen, I, I still keep wanting to crawl, crawl off the altar. Dying to self is hard. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, we could laugh about taking an extra piece of dessert, you know, and being tempted and those things. But what about people who have had more than they need and they're still not satisfied? What does that say? At the same time, there are people that have more than their need and they have learned the joy of giving. Total different people. Total different attitude. And God blesses people who give. I just want to conclude. This message really boils down to this. Jesus came for one reason. Yes, he healed. Yes, he delivered. Yes, he set the captive free. Yes, he still does that. But he comes for this one reason. The main reason is to save us from our sin. Because we can't save ourselves. That's the real purpose.